I'm Rob Braun, host of the How You Make It podcast. It's where business owners and operators share their stories. We hear about their struggles, their triumphs, and the lessons they learned along the way. How You Make It, presented by Heritage Bank. Subscribe and listen wherever you get your podcasts. One thing every business owner needs is a good accountant. Someone has to keep track of the money while the owners keep track of the operation. Stephen Mann is a CPA with Blue & Company. He's been in the business 28 years and works with business owners from startups to those earning $100 million in revenue. I'm Rob Braun, and this is Stephen Mann's take on How You Make It, presented by Heritage Bank, FDIC. So... I need an accountant. You know, I'm in my garage. I got this great idea, and I'm going to sell it to somebody, and I'm going to have millions of dollars in revenue, but I got to get started, don't I? You do. You got to have some sort of a format, someplace to put your X's and O's so you don't get three months down the road and make a big mistake, which is a distinct possibility. Absolutely. We find that often. So what do you do? How do I shop for an accountant? Well, the first thing that I I tell people when I talk to them when they're saying, "Hey, I'm starting a new business, and uh, I know that I need a good banker, a new a good attorney, and a, and a good accountant." So, who should I talk to? What I tell them is, there's probably a lot of accountants here in town that could serve your needs. But what's most important is that you find somebody that you find easy to communicate with. Yeah, you got to find somebody that understands you and understands your business and can educate you so you can make informed decisions as a business owner. Yeah. So, so those are the things that I, I look for when I'm giving advice to, to new people starting new businesses when they're trying to say, how do I figure out, you know, who's the right accountant for me? When I was 17 years old, I started working for myself and I made a lot of money in the Carney business. And I came home with money, cash, and lots of receipts. Good. And I had no idea what was next okay. because I forgot that I had to pay the tax man. I was paying my sales tax, but I didn't realize the other things I was facing at 17. So I said to my father, what do I do? And he said, you got to have an accountant. So I went to the accountant with my box of receipts and this cash that I hadn't even put in the the bank at that point. And I got a guy, he was a single operator and just was a a good guy and was who you're talking about. He was teaching me. Are you willing as a CPA to do that for startups? Absolutely. It's a, it's a big part of what we do along with, you know, today technology yeah. is much greater than it was than, than when you started your business. So a lot of the things that we're doing when we're meeting with these business owners up front is teaching them how to set up a business record keeping system using the technology tools that are available. You know, I think you had mentioned your kids that use QuickBooks and showed you how to do it and that kind yeah. of thing. Um, certainly that's the most popular accounting software, but there's many others and with the advances in banking and online banking specifically, what we say is we don't want to teach you how to be an accountant. Most people don't want to do that. They've chosen to be a business owner for, for that reason. Yeah. But what we do want to do is teach you how to use the tools so that record keeping isn't a burden for you. Because with those tools, they have some AI functions built in yeah. to where they have some learning capabilities. So if it's the same types of transactions over and over, it'll automatically code them to the right place. I have three CPAs in my family, my son, my daughter, and my daughter-in-law, all CPAs. So I think, as a business owner, that my kids are going to start doing my taxes. I never discussed it with them. I just said, 
in my mind, you know, this is this is really going to work out. <laughs> I'm paying for this education, and they're going to come back and and they're going to take care of my accounting problem. How'd that work out for you? Not very well. Not very- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was an absolute failing decision because they explained to me that if you're not a tax accountant and you don't go to all of these learning sessions, you can't keep up on the taxes that you have to do each year. Because first of all, no one understands all the rules. It's impossible. It's impossible. And secondly, the rules keep changing. They move the goalposts every year. And each kid had a different specialty, and none of them were doing taxes. So they were saying, you know, we can't, we just can't, Dad. You're going to have to find your own accountant. Yeah. I'm thinking, I just paid for two of them. <laughs> it was a, a harsh learning experience. But if you're looking for the accounting and the bookkeeping for your business and the taxation that's going to come. You got to have somebody who's trained to do it, right? Who keeps up on and does their, their continuing ed. And in our firm, uh, Blue and Company here in Cincinnati, we've got 47 people and everybody specializes in something. That record keeping, we call that client accounting services. Yeah. So we have people that specialize exactly in what I just described as far as setting up new accounting systems and assisting and training um, clients on that. And then we also have people that just focus on business tax, people that focus on individual tax. And then a few of us that have got as many years as I do, we've done it all. And so we're in a good position to be able to talk to business owners intelligently about all those areas and, and get them the help that they need. And that miserable tax that exists in Ohio, I'm not exactly sure about Kentucky, where you pay tax on the goods that still sit on your shelf. So I'm going to give you some good news today. Okay. That tax in Ohio doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't. You're kidding me. It does me. not. So I believe what you're referring to is the is the tangible personal property That's tax. That's it. That's it. That so, is it. So the tangible personal property tax was replaced several years ago, actually, by the commercial activity tax. So we got phased out in Ohio when cat tax came on, is what we call it, cat tax. Yeah. And, and cat tax is based upon gross receipts. It's a miserable tax in that you pay it whether you make any money or not. Oh. You're going to pay it on your gross receipts. So, so not on your net. Not on your net. Wow. So that's been a big change. Kentucky still has personal property tax. Yes. So that miserable tax that you spoke of right. still exists and is is a part of uh, Kentucky tax law. One of the benefits, though, today is you talked about the goods that sell on your shelves that you have to pay the tax on. In Kentucky, you actually get a credit for that tax that you pay, personal property tax. So you pay the tax, personal property tax on an inventory, but then you get a credit that you can use back against your income tax if you're a business. No kidding. So, so that is uh, that happened probably about four years ago. They started phasing it in twenty five percent at a year, and so that's a that's a significant benefit. Um, and where Kentucky has tried to move in a more business friendly tax environment to help them be more competitive with states like Ohio when it comes to business tax laws. Now that's fascinating. Also, I hope we're going to impart some information where people get confused that businesses don't pay tax. There are so many hidden taxes, like you're talking about, that sometimes you feel overtaxed. And in this case, you're being taxed on money that you don't make, but you took in. True. True. So, yeah. So there's beyond income tax, there's sales and use tax, uh, cat tax we talked about in Ohio. Um, So, yeah, there's many other taxes that businesses are paying other than income tax. Um, In fact, in many cases, when people talk to me about uh, tax exposure that they may have, um, I usually can point out to them that their tax exposure for noncompliance and sales tax 
far exceeds any tax exposure they would ever have for income tax. No kidding. Yeah. So you better pay your sales tax. Yeah. Because yeah. really you're an agent for the government, right? Yeah. Usually when there's errors in sales tax and compliance becomes an issue is when they haven't been collected when they should have been. Uh-huh. So the sales tax laws are extremely complicated. A um, lot of exemptions apply in different situations. Um, and so it's hard to keep up with. And you have to remit those within a certain period of time too, Usually right? Usually monthly remittance on sales tax in, in most states. Yeah. yeah. Is it based on your volume or how often you have to pay that? That's or is, right. Yeah. Okay. So much to learn. Yeah. Better get a tax account. Well, true. And you better get it early because you can find yourself down the road and not having done any of that stuff. And then you're in trouble before you get started. 100%. You know, I, I, I do advise people talk to a tax accountant that understands the type of business that you plan on doing. Yeah. And then edu- get educated about how those taxes might apply to you. And then I provide some caution to them to say, then after you're educated, focus on growing the revenue, you know, yeah. because what we need as CPA firms, you know, we need clients that are successful. And yeah. so we need to, you to get off on the right foot for sure. But we need clients that have sustainable business practices, sustainable revenue streams. And, and so one of my words of caution sometimes is if I find that they're spending too much time worried about tax compliance, that I think, hey, we don't need to be worrying about how you can save $10 in taxes. You got to make the $10 first, right? Right. I mean, so I think there's a balance there that, that I think um, is, is healthy, needs to be healthy. And so... Many times when they're coming to me, you know, they're focused on taxes as being their biggest problem. And, but oftentimes when I look into the situation, I say, you don't have a tax problem. You've got a revenue problem or a cash flow problem. Yeah. So knowing when you need to call and when you need the help, I think is important. And so that's what we try to do is educating people early on. First of all, you need the help at the beginning. Certainly getting set up. I think record keeping is very important as far as in the beginning. And then also... Uh, the registering your business. Yes. You know, we talk about getting an attorney and, and determining uh, what type of legal entity you should be. Um, that's like step one with the secretary of state and, and many business owners can do that by themselves. But step two is then registering your business with the department of revenue in the States that you're going to be operating in. Because you have to have a license in order to do business. You, you can't do. just throw up your uh, shingle. You do. And that application, um, all of it's online. But it's really complicated yeah. um, because they're asking a whole bunch of questions and you're thinking, I just started my business. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to have employees or not. Yeah. Well, answering that question, are you going to have employees or not? If you say, well, yes, I hope to have employees someday, that immediately, if you check that box or answer that question that way, is going to cause the state to enroll you into employment tax filing obligations, yeah, you know, and so uh, being able to, to register properly so that you don't set yourself up with a whole bunch of work you don't need to do and filing, you know, zero returns because you really don't have employees or filing sales tax returns when you really don't have sales of taxable services yeah. uh, or taxable goods. There's a lot of tools you can do on your own, but I think it's definitely worth a conversation with the, with the tax accountant who can guide you, hey, when you set this up, based upon what your business, look out for these things. Because you can have to File, just as you pointed out, you can, and it come, brings back memories for me, you have to file if you have no employees, if you said you might have some, right? That That's the correct. point. That's the point, yeah. yeah. And then you've created yourself a job you did not need. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that brings up uh, the form your business takes. Is it a flow through like an LLC, an S, or is it a C that hold, pays its own taxes? So there are reasons to do each one of those, right? There are. 
So you need to decide early on, I think. I know it's switchable in the middle, but it also costs money to go from one to another. It does. So it's important to think about that before you start making sales. It is. And usually when I have that conversation with somebody, when when they're saying, hey, I'm, I'm deciding which type of entity that I should choose, I would say, okay, well, let's separate out the discussion from a legal discussion to a tax discussion. Really, most of the reasons for the types of entity that you would pick would be for legal liability protections. Yeah. Really, if we say sole proprietor, uh, S-Corp, partnership, LLC, we put all those in one bucket, not much in the way of tax impact changes depending on which one you make. There are some that are subtle, significant changes if you pick a C-Corp. Yeah. You know, so from a tax standpoint, you know, they're usually, you know, pretty quick uh, guidance I can give somebody on on from a tax perspective which one of those two buckets they should be in, and then after that, then we talk a little bit more about you know why someone would pick an LLC versus a corporation, why they would form the entity in Delaware versus Kentucky, yeah. you know that type of thing. But it's really is is leaning them more into legal liability protection is the purpose for those, and it is very confusing. Explain to me something else people need to know. With LLCs and S's, um, it's flow-through income to your personal income tax statement and filing. So explain that. So, so we would talk about C corporations. Um, that's a that's a corporation that pays its own tax. Yeah. So all of those entities that you described, none of them pay any federal income tax. What they do is whatever taxable income that that entity generates then that taxable income flows through, words you use, distributed, pass through, passes through to its owners, and then those owners pick up on their individual tax return that taxable income, and they pay the tax. Yes. And I think that's confusing to a lot of people because you think about them being separate entities, the business and then you, and the business is paying you, but at the end, in the end, it's merged. So your liability is... I don't know. I always found it very difficult to, in my mind, keep them separate, although they're so intricately connected. Yeah, where where the real um, opportunity comes into play is that, you know, when you're trying to think about your business and you've got some boxes around that and you're asking your um, son or daughter or daughter-in-law who's a CPA, you know, what, what should I be doing on the inside my business to try to minimize taxes or defer taxes or to be smart with my money? They'll have to say, well, because you're a pass-through entity, I have to know about your other situations personally yeah. to be able to give you advice. Because um, the biggest thing that I see people do um, is make decisions without all the information. And so somebody could say, hey, you know, should I – um, put in a retirement plan in my business, you know, um, yes, I should do that. And, and will that save me money in taxes? Yes. How much? Well, I can't tell you <laughs> unless I look at your individual return right. and I know all the situation around it. So I think that that is, that's one of the things that needs to be kept in mind. And, and you mentioned it's complicated. It's only recently become more complicated. Has it? Um, yeah. the reason why it's become more complicated is something that just happened this, uh, 2023, for many states, uh, Kentucky, Ohio, and Indiana, it happened all three of those, is that each one of those states passed specific legislation that allowed those pass-through entities, those LLCs, partnerships, and S-Corps, to pay their state income tax at the entity level. So, Which does what? Help, helps or hurts? So 
Um, it definitely, it helps. Um, the reason why they did it is because um, on the federal individual level, we talked about all this income flows through your individual return. Yeah. Um, well, with the most recent um, tax cut laws, they minimized your deduction, itemized deduction for state taxes oh. to $10,000. Wow. So almost all business owners had state taxes that exceeded that. If you think about state taxes being your real estate taxes, your property taxes on your car in Kentucky, um, you know, those items alone, plus a little bit of income tax in the state where you live, you're going to be well over 10 grand for many business owners. And so they were missing out on deductions when that, when that uh, tax law got passed. And so this, uh, all states have called it uh, the SALT workaround, state and local tax deduction workaround, because what they've done is they've said, hey, those pass-through entities, um, you can elect to pay your state taxes at that entity level um, as opposed to at the personal level. And then what happens is then that makes it a deduction on your federal tax return. So it reduces your federal income at that pass-through entity level that gets passed over to you. So, but only if you pay your state taxes through or by the entity. Correct. You okay. got it down. Look at there. We've wow. you become a salt champ here. <laughs> so good job. So yeah. So so that pass through entity um, decision, you know, is very complicated, and and many people that have been business owners for a long time are very confused by it. You know, yeah. Stephen, why did you send me this tax return? And it says my entity owes tax. It's never owed income tax. Yeah. Stephen, did you do something wrong? <laughs> you know? No, this is actually for your benefit. You know, you're going to be able to to get a 30% federal tax deduction on every dollar that you're paying in these state income taxes that you weren't otherwise getting. Do you have to so, file for that early or do you just do it with your income tax? So you, you do have to, uh, you can do it with your income tax return. Mm-hmm. The deduction, though, is usually based upon when you pay the state income tax. So uh, if you want the deduction in 23, you had to pay that state income tax in 23. You decide to do it now for your 23 return and you're paying it in 24, you're going to get the deduction, but it's going to be in 24. Okay. Good advice. Stephen Mann, thanks very much. All right. Thank you. Mike Crow is the director of SBA Lending at Heritage Bank, and we're talking to a lot of small business owners, mostly successes. But I want to ask a veteran banker, you, to tell us why most small businesses don't make it. Yeah, honestly, Rob, um, a lot of times what you see is a lack of capital. During lean times, which we're kind of experiencing currently, you can only cut expenses so much. Rent, inventory, utilities, uh, payroll, these are still costs a business owner has to cover. So, you know, working with your bank and having a good relationship with the bank really helps prevent or helps you as a small business owner protect against those downturns. A good business banker can help you develop strategies to help build cash reserves as well as um, accessing capital so that you can finance yourself through these periods. Let's talk about the other reasons we a mm-hmm. failure of small mm-hmm. business. The one we established is lack of capital. Mm-hmm. The next one is folks don't know how to manage their money. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, a lot of times businesses kind of make it in spite of themselves, to be quite honest with you. It's really a key from my perspective that a lot of small businesses, you know, you're, you're looking at your staff itself. You have the owner and then you'll have your staff that supports you. Oftentimes you're working with an outside accountant and an outside lawyer. And what I strongly recommend to the businesses I work with is to go out and interview those CPAs and interview that attorney. 
These are going to be your advisors to your business on an ongoing basis. And it's really important that you have somebody that you can communicate with, that you can take advice from, take criticism from, quite frankly, and that also can provide you guidance and assistance to help you grow your business going forward. And the business plan um, Mm -hmm. is something you, first of all, have to present to the bank. But then business planning as you're operating is something that is a constant. Right. And that is correct. You have to be able to adapt. Situations change. The economy changes. Um, We're working with a number of businesses who have started as a result of COVID. And you're you're seeing a pivot in that business as uh, COVID testing and things have changed. They're now migrating their business into other fields so that they're expanding revenue opportunities. So you always have to be aware of changes in the economy so that you're making the changes necessary to keep yourself on the front line. Yeah. A lot of businesses that we know and are um, accepted and seem to be very popular and successful also have months where they don't make money. That is absolutely correct. That's a misnomer. I mean, most people think that that guy, he's killing it. And he's probably in the Bahamas while all these people are working his business. But it doesn't work that way, does it? No, it really doesn't. If you want to have a successful business, you have to be an engaged owner. You have to be there on a daily basis. Nobody is going to watch that business like you do. Um, Yeah, the other thing is there is seasonality in business. And it's important, you know, depending on the business that you're in, you have to be prepared for that type of seasonality. So if the summertime is your slow time, you have to build up some cash reserves or have some access to capital that you've created um, during the winter or this early spring months to carry you over those slow periods. Is a CPA or an attorney or anybody who's going to be on my, quote, team, are they willing to talk to me about my idea? A lot of times they are. Um, you know, you have to, if you're looking for somebody, I would recommend if you have a banking relationship, yeah. reach out to your banker because we have a lot of contacts in those fields. They understand what we do. They understand how we do things. And quite frankly, they, they know what they're getting when they're dealing with us. Whether you own a business or you want to start one, there's inspiration and sound advice from entrepreneurs in your own backyard. I'm Rob Braun and I'm hosting a new podcast called how you make it. Throughout my career on television, I own several small businesses and I'm still at it. I love talking to my fellow entrepreneurs and I learn something from every conversation. I think you will too. How you make it presented by Heritage Bank, wherever you get your podcasts.